You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rams Nation, how's it going? As always, it is your boy, your host, Sosa Cremendez. I'm a fantasy analyst at PFF and your host here at the Locked On Rams podcast, your number one daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Rams and part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome to your Tuesday episode here, your Victory Tuesday after the first week from the Los Angeles Rams between the Chicago Bears on Sunday Night Football. Obviously a big victory for the Rams, 34-14 to 14 in that game. We've got a lot to discuss, and in this episode, we're going to dive into some of these deep, in-depth numbers. Of course, like I mentioned a second ago, I work at PFF, so I do have the pleasure of having every single number you can have, the access to literally everything. So we're going to dive into maybe some of these surprising moments and players that we couldn't really evaluate because, mind you, play-to-play, snap-to-snap goes pretty quick during live games. So, of course, it's hard to pick up everything. Uh, Some of the guys that maybe did not play that well, some of the concerns and things like that, the good, the bad, the ugly, of course, everything you need to know from this contest. But before we get into that, I wanted to tell you guys about our Sunday pregame show. It's live every single Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern on Locked On NFL Sunday. They don't just talk football. They talk all sports. Two of our hosts, Cody Rourke of the Locked On Broncos podcast and Ross Jackson of the Locked On Saints podcast. These guys are super entertaining. They're going to keep you guys updated with the biggest stories from all these sports. So make sure to tune in to Locked On NFL today on Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern. Now we can dive into some of these good, the bad, the uglies, all that good stuff from this week one contest between the Rams and the Bears. And like I mentioned, it's hard to keep up with some of these things that happen on a play-to-play basis, especially the offensive line, because we don't exactly know what their requirements or their assignments are from a snap-to-snap basis. But when we get a chance to sit back and really digest what happened in a game, we can start to see some sort of trends develop. And I think one of the players that a lot of people had circled in terms of maybe good, maybe bad, right? There was a lot of concerns or potential concerns with starting center Brian Allen. We had yet to really see this guy in extended play. Of course, he played a little bit in 2019 as the starting center. And the Rams had that fiasco at center throughout the offseason where they tried Austin Corbett, the right guard at center, tried putting Bobby Evans in that first team lineup, tuck Evans out, slid Corbett back to right guard. And now Allen is the starting center. And when you look at the PFF grades, He graded out pretty good in terms of the offensive grade in general, a 77.9 that was the third highest among the offensive linemen. You look at the run blocking grade, an 82.1, which was the second best among all the offensive linemen. And his pass blocking grade, that was the one concern, a 51.3. That was the worst amongst the team's offensive linemen. So some good and some bad, right? When you look at this guy, I think a lot of people were concerned with what Brian Allen was going to be able to do As the team's starting center, you know, you look at a good running game. Obviously, he had an impressive performance in that regard, which is good. But at the same time, you got to keep Matthew Stafford upright. This is your multi-million dollar investment. The guy that's going to carry you to where you want to go as a team. And obviously, you just can't allow that guy to get hit. So the pass blocking grade, not exactly tremendous. You look at the pressure, allowed one pressure in this game, also allowed a sack. So not the best performance, but... Also not a terrible performance by any means. I think as of right now, you got to feel pretty decent about what you saw from Brian Allen. Maybe not the best performance, but also not a bad one, like I said. Another thing that I picked up from some of these PFF numbers here, and of course, we talked about Matthew Stafford on yesterday's episode ad nauseum. 
the guy was incredible. I mean, if you watch that game, you know how special of a performance that was, especially if you've been a Rams fan for a couple seasons. You've seen the Rams play against the Chicago Bears in 2018, last year in 2020, and they were offensive struggles. And someone brought this up, Steven Ruiz of the Ringer recently added there, awesome guy, awesome work that he does. He talked about that performance between Stafford and McVay, obviously, and the Bears defense, and compared to Jared Goff in the past, which kind of got me thinking, let me dive into some of these numbers, look at how Jared Goff did against these Bears defenses, look at how Stafford did yesterday in that game. And I mean, the difference was absolutely astonishing. I mean, the Rams could not run the ball against the Bears in the past two games and couldn't really do it again yesterday over the course of the first three quarters in that game. And it did not hamper Stafford at all. I mean, this guy had three touchdowns, over 300 yards, no interceptions, no turnover-worthy passes, three big-time throws according to PFF's numbers, 12.3 yards per attempt, which is just absurd, and a 10.3 average depth of target, which again, absurd, but it does match his career averages. But that's impressive because it tells us that Stafford was exactly the opposite of what Andy Dalton was yesterday. And sure, Andy Dalton didn't really have a terrible game per se, but he was a check down Charlie. That's what they call it, right? This guy was taking three, four, five yard plays at a time, and it resulted in a bad offensive performance. Whereas the complete opposite happened for the Rams and Stafford. This guy looked to push the ball vertically. And if he didn't have something open deep, he was happy to take some stuff underneath, but it felt like everything was open for the Rams deep, whether it was Tyler Higby on a corner route or Cooper cup, breaking the coverage down the middle of the field for a 56 yard touchdown or Van Jefferson on the post where he scores on a 69-yard touchdown. It felt like everything was working for these guys, but at the same time, it's no coincidence that these things work because when you go through your progressions and you look vertical first and you identify these coverages pre-snap and your matchups pre-snap, you're going to have success. And I think that's the biggest difference right now that we've seen in one game between Stafford and Goff. Goff would have trouble dissecting these defenses, specifically the Bears. And Steven mentioned that on his article at The Ringer. This is the same defense that Vic Fangio, Brandon Staley, and now Raheem Morris kind of defense that stopped the Rams, that stifled the Rams completely twice in the past two years. And Matthew Stafford had his way with this defense. I mean, the Bears hardly made any stops whatsoever. So it's quite shocking to see the difference between two quarterbacks. And of course, you know, I'm not saying it's a one-for-one there is some differences here, right? This is not the same Bears defense from 2018. They definitely regressed to some degree, lost some good players, of course, but it was astonishing to see the differences between a guy like Jared Goff, who's happy to take those short gains and just try to not really lose the game as opposed to going out and trying to win a game versus Stafford, who does the complete opposite. This guy is going to push vertical. He's going to try to win football games. He's going to look to go deep. And if that doesn't work, of course, he'll take some of those underneath things. But in this performance, I mean, everything worked for the Rams. And I had a lot of success betting on this game, of course. I did pick the Rams money line as well as the Rams to cover the spread, which was seven and a half at the time. And the Rams did both of those things. So it definitely helped me negate some of the losses I also had on Sunday. I had a couple of parlays, a couple of player props going. Not my best betting day, but I still came out on top. And you guys can do the same if you go to betonline.ag. They're going to have you guys covered for every single sport. Everything, of course, is now all eyes back on the NFL, the most important sport of all. BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. 
You can get all your latest updated odds, props, and contests there, including the half million dollar NFL mega contest and the $200,000 survivor contest, which are both open now. All you have to do, just head over to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 100% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports from football to basketball to boxing to horse racing. Don't wait and take advantage of all your great offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And now we can continue along with some of these topics that I've discussed and picked up from this game. And I think the number one thing to look at on the defensive side of the ball, it kind of felt like the Rams were happy to invite the Bears into running. And I think, you know, a lot of fans were very frustrated and felt like this defense is too talented to allow a team like the Bears to get that much yardage. And I understand where they're coming from because some of those plays and some of those drives felt like they were just positives, positive after positive for that Bears offense. They were extending drives. Some of those drives were upwards of eight or nine minutes long, 10, 15 play drives. But that is exactly what the Rams intended to do in this game and maybe throughout the entire season and even dating back to last season, right? You look at this defense and it's built from back to front, meaning they're going to stop everything when it comes to explosive plays and passing plays and they're going to prioritize coverage before they try to prioritize stopping the run. They're literally trying to invite teams to run and enticing teams to run by having lighter box counts, which means, you know, imagine a imaginary box there between the offensive line, the defensive line, the quarterback, and all the way to the linebackers. That is basically what people consider a box there. And a box count would be counting how many defenders are in that box. And if you have less than the offense has in the box, the offense is more or less going to run the ball because they have the numbers advantage and they think they can basically run you for positive yardage time after time. Versus if you have extra guys in that box, you're basically persuading offenses to pass the ball because they don't have that numbers advantage. They're at a disadvantage. So the chances that they get positive plays to run the ball or from running the ball are not great. So the Rams, what they did was they kept a lot of these boxes in light counts. So usually a man down, sometimes multiple men down, and they wanted the Bears to run the ball. And that is why the Bears had a lot of success running the ball. When you look at every metric, David Montgomery crosses 100 yards rushing, averages over six yards per carry. That stuff looks great in the box score, and it doesn't look good for the Rams defense in the box score, but that's exactly what they intended to do, and that is why Andy Dalton had five yards per attempt in terms of the passing yardage, and that's why the Bears could not create any explosive plays. I think their biggest play of the day might have been 12, 15 yards max, whereas the Rams had multiple plays like that, and they barely even had the ball on offense, and that's the difference between offenses that are explosive and offenses that aren't. And you look at the way the Rams defense played, there's no number that is more important here that kind of made me realize what their plan was than this number here from PFF. Number of times or number of plays that they had with eight plus defenders in the box, the Rams came in dead last this week with only one single play with eight guys in the box. And that was a goal line snap where I think the Bears were on the four or five yard line. So they really had no choice. Other than that, they had light box counts pretty much for the entirety of the game. And that really goes to show that Raheem Morris is interested in running a similar style of defense, at least maybe not stylistically or schematically, but in terms of how they want to go approach defensive play, it looks similar to Brandon Staley's scheme last year. They're going to try to keep everything in front of them in terms of the passing game. They're going to invite teams to run the ball 
and they're not going to allow you to get chunk yardage in terms of the passing game too. So kind of kept that theme alive here in this game. And that's why I wanted to explain why this performance didn't look as bad as people probably thought it was or indicated, or some of these numbers indicated when you look at the box score stats. And of course, you know, a lot of these guys in the secondary or in coverage in general, I thought played a good game. It felt like they were giving up a lot, but again, they're keeping everything in front. Some of these corners, Darius Williams, David Long Jr., they're going to give a little bit of a cushion because they would rather be beat for a five-yard hook route versus a 47-yard vertical. And you look at the numbers here, and they did well. I mean, Darius Williams only beaten for five receptions for 36 yards. Jalen Ramsey, five receptions for 35 yards. Kenny Young, talk about an outstanding performance. This guy was targeted five times, only allowed three receptions for a total of eight receiving yards, and obviously also had that tip pass that did go for a deflection and the eventual interception by David Long Jr., which was in the red zone, by the way. It wasn't just an interception. They basically took points off the board from the Bears because the Bears were easily in field goal range, never mind a potential touchdown. That was a huge, huge play and momentum shifter. You can't really describe how good Kenny Young was out there. And it's a great start to a season, right? This is a position that we've talked about a lot for the Rams as one that could have some issues. But so far, it looks like Kenny Young is the top dog in this unit. The Rams, like we mentioned in yesterday's episode, ran a lot of those 5-1 formations on the defensive side of the ball, meaning five guys along the line of scrimmage, only one linebacker. And Kenny Young was the guy who was that linebacker. He was the one that was out on the field for the majority of the game, and he wasn't removed from the field pretty much ever. So clearly states that he is the top guy in that unit. And the last guy here that I want to highlight in terms of an impact player, talk about David Long Jr., right? The Rams lose Troy Hill in free agency, a very good nickel cornerback. And we discussed how can the Rams find somebody in this spot that is going to be able to contribute and not be a liability. And we talked about it throughout the offseason. Might be Dante Dion, might be David Long Jr., could even be Terrell Burgess. The Rams ultimately go with Long Jr. And in only his second game starting, he puts together an awesome contest. He's targeted five times, allows four receptions, only 42 yards receiving, one first down. Of course, he had the interception as well. I think you can't really give it up to these guys enough because they were all rotating too. That was something that Jalen Ramsey also mentioned and David Long, I think, in his post-game press conference. Everyone was moving around. You've seen certain snaps where Jalen Ramsey was in the nickel. I know for a fact Darius Williams had at least five or ten snaps in that nickel spot, and I'm pretty certain that David Long did as well. It's just really another thing for the offense that's going to confuse them because they're specifically looking for matchups on that side of the ball and now when the Rams are moving around on the back end, it allows everyone to be versatile. It allows everyone to be put in the best position to succeed. And not only that, but it also gives the offense another thing that they have to identify pre-snap, look for pre-snap, and know where their matchups are when it comes to those receivers. All it does for the Rams is allow them to move their corners around to the matchups that they like. Of course, you know, you're going to want Jalen Ramsey more often than not shadowing a number one receiver and things like that. This is why the Rams are so good in the secondary. And we haven't even talked about guys like Jordan Fuller and Taylor Rapp, who don't really have much experience playing together. Of course, Fuller was a rookie last year and Rapp had a terrible season last year, not necessarily in terms of the performance, but just personally, he was injured multiple times, started the year unhealthy, ended up on IR it was just a really bad experience for him. He was never fully healthy, it felt like. 
And it was hard to really judge him off that year. Whereas now he entered this season healthy and in this first game already has 10 tackles in a game and looks like a guy that's legitimately going to be another weapon for this secondary. And we have yet to mention Terrell Burgess. This guy did not even register a single snap on the defensive side of the ball for the Rams. And this is the kind of talent that they're putting out in that secondary. I don't think there's enough words to describe how good these guys are and how good of a job the Rams do at putting them in positions to succeed. But that is going to do it for the secondary talk for a moment. Of course, you guys can follow us on Twitter at QB's MEP and at Locked on Rams, which for whatever reason is suspended right now. I'm not really sure why. Didn't tweet anything unusual. Been the same stuff every single day for the past year. So a little bit confusing there. And you can find us on YouTube as well at Locked on Rams. And I know that if you guys have a vehicle, you probably went through the process of calling up your mechanic, trying to start your car, something's not working randomly, having to order a part, probably expensive. You probably have to wait a long time. You don't have to go through all these hoops anymore. All you have to do, just check out rockauto.com for your service needs. They're a family-owned business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. That is a long time. And I promise you, if your car is a unique make, a unique model, they probably have you covered. If you're a do-it-yourselfer or a professional and you're looking for reliably low prices, you should absolutely check out rockauto.com. Amazing selections, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and write locked on in there. How did you hear about us? So they know that we sent you there. And of course, it is the football season. I want to keep you guys all eyes on the TV. I'm watching every single game possible. You guys saw my setup on Twitter, literally running eight games at a time. I feel bad for my internet service provider, but at the same time, that is why the bill is being run up. You guys don't have to deal with that. You can watch your favorite sports all together, all the entertainment that you love without the hassle. And a great way to get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream. And it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling a bunch of remotes. And you don't have to buy a bunch of different devices. The best part, there is no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion. And get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. And I mentioned how many bets I placed last weekend. I'm recording this prior to the Monday night football kickoff game. I placed a few more bets, a couple of player props. If you guys need help with that stuff, listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, two of our hosts on the Locked on Podcast Network. They're going to keep you guys updated with all your daily picks, previews, and everything you need to know, including Lee Sterling's lock of the day. All you have to do, just go listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts. And now we can dive into this final segment here and take a look at the last few things that caught my eye when it came to this game. And I mean, you look at some of these performances from the Rams and I think a lot of them, we know what happened, right? You look at the receiver room. These guys balled out. I mean, Cooper Cup, Van Jefferson, Robert Woods, they all scored touchdowns individually. They all had big contributions in the passing game. Of course, Tyler Higby as well. Nearly 70 yards receiving for him. Another good performance. And I think he's one of the players that we probably slept on a little bit going into the season because Matthew Stafford does like to include his guys, especially those tight ends. Whereas Jared Goff felt like he never really got those guys all too included. I mean, statistically, last year even, They did pretty well, but it never really felt like they were a huge threat in that offense. You've seen glimpses every now and again, like the Eagles game last year in week two, but it was never a consistent theme 
which is one of the things that is a bit problematic. But you go to the defensive side of the ball, and the pass rush, I thought, did a pretty decent job in this game. The one thing I want to highlight, there was not a ton of pressures from the Rams, only 15 in this game. And if you want to compare that to a team like the Carolina Panthers, for example, the Panthers had 32 pressures in their first game. Now, of course, the Panthers were playing a not-so-great team in the New York Jets, and the Rams a much more formidable opponent in the Bears. And not only that, but I don't necessarily want to put too much strain on this number or too much importance here because the one thing to note, Andy Dalton was getting rid of that ball fast. I mean, there was not many five- or seven-step drops, and he was not going to be willing to hold that ball for better or for worse, right? I mean, you can't really blame the guy he was playing against, Aaron Donald. I think he had it in the back of his head that, let me get this ball out quick. I got a quick timer in my head right now. Everything is sped up with number 99 on that field. And of course, Aaron Donald led the way with six total pressures. No other player on the team had more than two. Greg Gaines, two pressures. Justin Hollins, two pressures. So I don't necessarily want to highlight these numbers too much. I just wanted to note that, you know, you look at the sack numbers, you look at some of those statistics. They're not going to be that great from this game because Dalton was throwing the ball so quickly It never really gave any time for these guys to get home. And that's why they didn't really accumulate many pressures or many sacks. But that's not always going to be the case. I mean, you look to week two, the Rams are playing Carson Wentz. This guy loves holding the football, maybe more than any other quarterback in the NFL. His internal clock is just terrible. He's willing to hold the ball forever. I think you're going to see a lot more production from those guys, whether it's Justin Hollins, whether it's Terrell Lewis, maybe Leonard Floyd, of course, Aaron Donald. They're going to have way more opportunities to get home, I think. They are going to be playing against a very good offensive line, of course. But at the same time, you're going to get an opportunity to get after that guy. So at that point in time, we can have a better look at maybe is this pass rush not good enough? Is it productive? All that stuff is kind of hypothetical right now. So we will dive into that, obviously, next week. But I just really wanted to go back and highlight some of these performances from this game. We talked about the offense, of course. Sean McVay, man, this guy you got to give it up to him. I mean, he goes to get his quarterback and right out of the gate after that David Long Jr. interception, they go right for the jugular. That next drive, Matthew Stafford, I want to say maybe on the third or second offensive play, they score a 69-yard touchdown. I mean, Sean McVay is not going to coach scared anymore. And that is one of the themes here that I've noticed already and that we all kind of expected going into the season that's already panning out. And that is The Rams are not going to coach scared on the offensive side of the ball anymore. They did not run the ball hardly in this game through three quarters. They threw the ball a ton and they threw downfield, allowing Matthew Stafford to get these reads that he wanted and these targets that he wanted. And he was willing to push it. He always is. That's who he is as a quarterback. And I love it because you look back to last year, if the Rams ran the ball on first down or second down or had a pass play that just did not work out, whether it was a screen or something, And the Rams fell behind the chains, as they say, behind schedule, you know, second and eight or third and 11. More often than not, those drives were basically dead because Sean McVay was so concerned with Jared Goff doing something silly and holding the ball too long and allowing himself to get sacked, fumbled or forcing the ball somewhere, throwing a pick or a pick six like we saw again in Sunday's performance against the San Francisco 49ers he would be willing to throw these screens on third and 14 when we all knew that they were not going to convert or run the ball when it just was not warranted because they were happy to play that field position game versus now it feels like the entire playbook is open every single snap, every single play, regardless of whether the Rams are on schedule, behind schedule, ahead of schedule. 
behind the chains. It could be second and 14. It could be second and two. Everything feels like it's a open book and a possibility in this offense now simply because of the quarterback change. And I love it. You know, it's so much more refreshing as a person who's watching this game and analyzing this game. But not only that, I think you guys as fans, you guys must be loving every second of this too, because now the Rams feel like they don't have to be so much safer with this game. They can really start to push in these areas when last year, comparatively, they had to be so much more risk averse. Now, you just don't feel that same type of pressure. You really allow Matthew Stafford to carry this offense. And that is part of what makes this team so fun now and why I wanted to give it up to Sean McVay. And you look at a guy like Raheem Morris too, you know, statistically, maybe not the best game defensively by the Rams, but they did exactly what they wanted in this game. And he's identified certain players that maybe none of us expected to be that great this season. You look at a guy like Kenny Young, for example, David Long. Yeah, we knew Aaron Donald. We knew Jalen Ramsey were going to come into the season well ready and prepared to dominate. But you look at some of these other names now, and these guys are standing out too. So such a great job by really everyone. I mean, this was the picture perfect game for the Rams. Of course, there's certain things to clean up. There always is. You don't want to get pressured like Matthew Stafford did on a few snaps there. Uh, The running game, you want to open up a few more holes in the running game, be a little bit more productive, a little bit more balanced throughout those first few quarters. Uh, And of course, Sean McVay, maybe not get too pass happy, but at the end of the day, the Rams put up a 30 burger for their first game with their new quarterback. All these guys still trying to get their chemistry down defensively held the bears to only 14 points, a couple of third down stops, three to be exact and an interception as well as a forced fumble, a sack fumble. So you had turnovers, you had big plays, you allowed no big plays on the defensive side of the ball. I really do think this was the perfect start to the Stafford era the perfect way to usher in this new season. And right now it feels like the Rams have to be in the top three, top four of everybody's power rankings. I mean, this is clearly a team that is going to threaten to make the NFC championship game, maybe a Super Bowl. There's clearly no limits to what these guys can do. And I'm super excited to see what they're going to do going into week two with another relatively unfamiliar opponent in the Indianapolis Colts, maybe a little bit better of a team than the bears, probably still a playoff team. So The Rams are going to get tested a lot in these first few weeks. And so far, it feels like we've learned a lot about this team. They're ready. I mean, this team is good. And that is going to pretty much wrap it up for my recap of this week one contest between the Rams and the Bears. Of course, make sure to listen to tomorrow's episode here at the Lockdown Rams podcast. We're going to get former host Bear Motter on here. My man, Brad, is going to break down everything he took away from this game, as well as what he thinks going into the next week. And then we're going to flip the page talking about the Rams and the Colts, the preview and everything you need to know about that. Of course, you guys can come follow us on Twitter at Locked on Rams at QB's MEP and on YouTube at Locked on Rams. Please subscribe or follow to get our latest episodes, content, breaking news, and a whole lot more.